T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Good morning and welcome to 670 The Score, Chicago Sports Radio. We are here live at the Grand Sheridan for the Cubs convention this morning on the Saturday morning. I am David Haw in for Matt Spiegel. This is Inside the Clubhouse. We're going to be here until 1145. We have a lot of good guests along the way, but most of all, we have our baseball expert, Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Always so loud, always some bright faces here and some familiar faces from the ballpark and being at these conventions for now. We are back at the Sheridan Grand for the Cubs convention. We apologize for oh, the technical They missed some great guests. 670 score, 670score.com. Bruce Levine, David Haw, Matt Spiegel is off today. Uh, we uh, had a little technical difficulty there, Bruce. We yes, had- we did, and uh, we apologize for that, and we're going to restart the show. This is Inside the Clubhouse. We're here for you every week on the score from 9 until 11, but here at the Cub Convention, where we see a lot of smiling faces and people ready to have a great time this weekend, we're on from 9 to 11.45 today. Tom Ricketts, the owner and CEO of the Chicago Cubs, will be joining David and myself at uh, 10 o'clock. 10.30, we're expecting to talk to Kyle Hendricks, then later on, Jason Hayward, Tommy Hadovy, and we're always... Uh, Attentive to you listening on the station, 312-644-6767. Text David at 67011. We'll read all that's worthy for the air. And David, uh, take two. Take two. So let's start this all over again. So this is sort of a good metaphor for the Cubs offseason, which really hasn't begun yet. It's a little (laughs) delayed beginning to that, and we have a little delayed start to to our show, Bruce. But inside the clubhouse is here for you to talk baseball when you were here yesterday and you talked to every player that had come and arrived and talked to the media and you saw the introductions and you saw, you know, there were some boos for Tom Ricketts, frankly. We'll talk to him about. How would you describe the atmosphere? Because there seems to be an awkwardness that has accompanied this offseason for the Cubs because of what they haven't done and because they're coming off a season with 84 victories that can, can't be termed anything but disappointing. Well, there's a tentativeness, uh, I think, that I pick up from the fan base and people that report the game. And, you know, they, as you pointed out, David, they're, they're not able to uh, go out to the free agent market. This is the second year in a row where they really haven't been able to establish uh, being able to go in the free agent market in the uh, off season. Now, they were able to tap into uh, Castellanos in a trade and Kimbrell as a free agent during the season in 2018 significant moves, but nonetheless, uh, two years in a row where there's been money constraints as far as the, uh, the payroll for the 25-man roster. 
Uh, that and the fact that it was a disappointing end, Joe Madden gone, David Ross in, and then uh, there's these other variables starting off with uh, the new marquee network and the fact that uh, Cub Baseball will be exclusively on the marquee ne- network and Cub fans uh, are not quite sure how that's all going to shake out. They know that come February 21st, when the first spring training game starts, the marquee network's going to be showing all uh, 30 spring training games. But, right. But being able to connect and whether their carrier is going to have it by then or not, there is some mystery. And so, so that David, it's, it's just There are a lot around. of questions about the marquee network. There are a lot of questions about how Cubs fans will you know, digest what they're watching. But the, the product on the field, what they will be seeing and who will be you know, performing, that, that is our, the bigger story. And, and when you have these uncertainties surrounding Chris Bryant, and we're all waiting for the ruling from the grievance, which it seems to be going on forever. I know you've talked about it at length, and it could be any day now, it could be any week now, it could be by the end of the month, it could, who, who knows, Bruce? But that has put everything else in limbo. And I think when you saw Chris Bryant yesterday introduced, he's here but he's got the flu. And, right. and even because of the uncertainty, has made some people skeptical about how sick he really is. Yeah, and he well, looked know, like he was suffering a little bit. That's the world of Twitter and social media we live in. But, yeah, I can assure you that Chris Bryant didn't travel 1,500 miles here with his uh, pregnant wife to uh, not show up for a media event or to be able to autograph for the fans. He's just plain sick. That's just how it shakes down. So, but, I mean... You understand the tentativeness of everybody around because it just seems like uh, there's a, a switch that hasn't been turned on by the Chicago Cubs in the offseason. He's the first domino. I mean, he is the one, the guy that if you do move, I don't know if the people who are in line for autographs here today, if the people that are gathering to see their favorite Cub, how will they react and how prepared are they for the inevitability that Chris Bryant will be an ex-Cub as, as soon as next week? You know what, David, it's, it's such uncharted waters because of the fact that no championship team in Chicago Cup history can be documented about how they felt when Tinkers and Evers and Chance were no longer part of the Chicago Cubs dynasty from 1906 through 1910. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been championship teams uh, for the Chicago Cubs since then, so we don't know what the shakedown from the fan base and the feeling is going to be when the Bryants and the Rizzos and the Baezes eventually uh, either retire or get traded or go somewhere else. Got a pretty good idea, though, don't you? I mean, trading Chris Bryant would be hugely unpopular. It it would be, and there would be a lot of, you're going to have to prove to us that this trade's worth it, you know. But from the side of the business side is they've tried to sign Chris Bryant. Right. Right. And they've tried to, and and they they thought they made some fair offers down there. We have never heard the exact amount of money, but it's multi multi millions. And uh, Bryant has decided, you know, that that was, he wasn't interested in that. So, knowing that, you you have to know that with two years left in a contract, that's the only time you would get optimum value for a superstar player like Chris Bryant. Not to wait for like a Mookie Betts situation where the Red Sox only have one year left on him, and nobody is willing to give you a lot of talent for a one-year buy-in. So uh, if if they're going to trade Chris Bryant or any of the big foot players, 
This is a time with two years left on almost all their contracts except for Contreras. We heard from Theo Epstein yesterday. He talked to the media. We heard from Jed Hoyer on this station along with Theo. And, Bruce, I think that you heard the tentativeness in his voice about everything that he was asked about. And I think one thing that he did say was that he talked to the representatives for the core players about, you know, extensions. He couldn't get too specific. But obviously everything that you just described has happened. So my question to you would be, when you hear Theo talking as tentatively and as carefully as he did yesterday, how, how would you establish a priority list? What do you think is number one priority what what comes after that because if you and and then once you start with the first one is that the first domino for other things to follow they've been uh, sitting and waiting with with trades from what my intel is that they've talked to many many teams about numerous trades that they could make here it's not necessarily just chris bryant there's uh, there's other moves that they're looking to make and it's been kind of held up because of the bryant situation um, some things might be predicated on that. Some of it was predicated on this market where Josh Donaldson held up the third base market here for um, since uh, November and just signed with Minnesota this last week. Now that's opened up. You, you're you're going to see once Bryant's situation is solidified here, and we know if it's two years or one year left on a uh, on his contract that um, or on his uh, you know. Being, being with the team, then we'll, we'll have a better idea of what the Cubs are going to be able to do. But I can tell you they're not sitting on their hands. Epstein talked about deals that they want to make, deals that they might make, and deals that might not come through. So they're, you were right sensing the tentativeness. Uh, they're not sure where they're at either until some of these things shake down. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw in for Matt Spiegel today. This is Inside the Clubhouse. Our Cubs convention coverage here at the Sheridan Grand is sponsored by the Wintrust Crosstown Series. Now's your chance to vote on a new trophy design. Visit Wintrust.com slash Crosstown. Bruce, we will be here till 1145. We've got Tom Ricketts at 10 o'clock. Kyle Hendricks is going to stop by. We're going to talk to a lot of the people involved. You mentioned um, Chris Bryant. There's a lot of focus on him. There's also a lot of attention anytime that Javi Baez walks in the room. I think he's still the most magnetic guy in that clubhouse, probably the most most uh, magnetic guy here in this hotel for fans to see. He was asked yesterday about the likelihood of his contract status and where does that stand because I think if you, you know, we went into this offseason of uncertainty thinking it was either or, either Bryant or Baez. If neither, con- if neither player signs a contract extension going into opening day, you start to worry about this window closing sooner than it needs to. What are you hearing about the Javi Baez contract talks and how big of a priority do you think that is? Uh, you know, when, when Epstein was asked about Baez and when Baez was asked about Baez, their eye contact kind of shifted. So, you know, I'm a big reader in body language, David, and I believe that both of them are uh, on pins and needles because I think there is something that may be close for a long-term deal for a Javier Baez. And, you know, it had been rumored since uh, December. I think Gordon Whitmire, the Sun-Times, reported first that uh, they were going to have deep conversations at the winter meetings to try to get something done. I mean, he's, you know, he's your young superstar. They're all young. Javi's a year younger than Bryant. He's uh, three years younger than Rizzo. He's the same age as Schwarber. Uh, and Contreras, but again, when you talk to uh, about uh, to me the best defensive shortstop in the National League and possibly uh, you know an MVP candidate for the next two, three, or four years, 
uh, I think it, it's incumbent upon them to get him signed. There's an awkward vibe here, Bruce, but there's a hopeful vibe. Anytime that you know you gather in January to talk baseball, people are optimistic. That is the local story, but nationally throughout the game, this has been a very difficult week, a dark week for Major League Baseball. When you see the sign-stealing scandal that has rocked the game and you see the people who have lost their jobs and the commissioner's report, 68 players were interviewed. We know they're protected, so they are not, they've not been penalized and won't be, but you see Alex Cora lost a job at, in Boston, Carlos Beltran with the Mets, A.J. Hinch with the Astros, Jeffrey Luna with the Astros, and all of the penalties and punishments that came with those uh, violations, it, you know, it, it's something that everybody has an opinion on and everybody can point to. We heard yesterday the Cubs react to it. We'll hear more today. What, how would you summarize the week that was in Major League Baseball and how deep and dark of a stain this is? You know, I'm torn because I know that the cheating like this has been going on, maybe not as high-tech as it is right now, David, but cheating with... Uh, you know, real-time scoreboard issues and using that for information. <laughs> it's been going on forever. You've been talking okay? to Jack McDowell? Yeah, well, <laughs> and, you know, you might want to talk about, you know, the fact that uh, Jack McDowell came out in a story uh, just the other day, the former White Sox Cy Young Award winner and with the White Sox from 1987 through 1995. Uh, he, he came out and said, hey, you know, the White Sox... We're using uh, their scoreboard and using their technology to uh, get pitches back in uh, the uh, 1980s. He named Tony La Russa as the inventor of that. Um, he never played for Tony La Russa, so he was playing for other managers if he's talking about that personally. But uh, that's the only name yeah, that he brought he, up. Jack McDowell was on a Charlotte radio station on Friday, and he spoke about, it was, for, I think, yesterday morning, and he spoke about the system that was in place at Old Comiskey Park when he came to the White Sox and made his debut in 87. And Tony La Russa, according to McDowell, had instituted this system where the next day starting pitcher would sit in the manager's dugout right. and he would find out they would have a, a camera-aided stealing, sign-stealing system when you would find out the camera would zoom in on the signal and they would notify people to light up the Gatorade sign depending on what pitch was coming. And he stands by that, and he said he came forward now, all these years later, because he wanted to be a whistleblower. He was getting tired of people getting blamed. That's a slow whistle. It's a slow whistle. Yeah. Yeah. Where was he before? It's a 33-year-old whistle. Uh, but, and it's interesting that it, Tony La Russa is thrown under the bus because uh, he was fired in uh, midseason 1986 by the White Sox, replaced by Jim Fregosi. So it wasn't wasn't on his watch. He might have heard or learned that the technology was, quote-unquote, allegedly from Tony, but, you know, he worked for a lot of other people when, uh, when that was in, engaged, you know, so he prefers to throw someone else under the bus other than the people he was working with. Mike Fires is the whistleblower that is getting the most attention for this scandal. He came forward and spoke to The Athletic with details. Uh, he was criticized this week and applauded, uh, I, I probably equally, maybe more applauded than criticized. What did you think of the reaction to what he had to say, and and how um, how do you think he will go down? What you know because this is part of his. And you know, Mike Fires will probably not do anything on the field more significant than what he did this off season off the field. Well, I think it's heroic in some ways, and other people think you know that uh, he outed uh, everybody in the sport and uh, put everybody in jeopardy because he talked about Houston cheating. 
Houston's not the team that cheats, okay? Houston's not the only one that tries to gain knowledge tech, uh, with technology. Uh, they happen to be the most successful team. <laughs> so I equate it, David, to the steroids era, okay? Here's how I look at it. Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, uh, McGuire, um, all the most successful players of that era that were hooked into uh, being connected with steroids. They're the ones that had to deal with the brunt of the steroids issue, even though there were hundreds, maybe into a thousand players that were experimenting with that from the uh, 80s through the middle 90s and into the 2000s. So if it wasn't the Houston Astros that were named, was named in this, and it was the Detroit Tigers or the um, Kansas City Royals, would we have had the same inspection? Would we have had the same uh, look well, no. at the situation but, but, that no, we have now? But if you steal $5, it's different than stealing $5 million. And when you steal a World Series, that's going to have a lot bigger right. impact than it is if you go and, 68 and, and you win 68 and it's games. it's the same thing with Bonds, Clemens, and those guys. They were happening to do steroids at a time where they were already the best players. So they took that to a different level. Therefore... The concentration was on them. Houston won the World Series in 2017. That concentration's on them. So uh, is, it, uh, is it just a... Are these isolated incidents, or is this a systematic problem? I know what you're saying, because the, you're, you're basically the Astros already have great players. They were made greater because they had an advantage right. not everybody had. Technology made Jose Altuve even harder to strike out or harder to get out. But that's kind of the point, is that he was, he was already to the point where he didn't need the help. But he got the help, and all of a sudden he's taking Araldus Chapman deep. How often did that happen? Situations right. like that where they were getting a buzzer if there was a curveball or a fastball. And I think that's where you have to look at is they didn't need this, this sort of assistance. Right. The fact that they did it anyway almost underscores how egregious and, and, and awful it is. But they're not the Lone Rangers. There are eight teams that were mentioned. Eight teams during this that were but, in the course of the but investigation. We just, we just went back to 1987 and said there was a team that allegedly was doing it back then, according to Jack McDowell. Right. And that they weren't the only ones doing it. So from from all of that, are we are we dealing with the fact that it's the here and now and that it's an outrage, or is this something that we're just really starting to get a bird's-eye view of that's gone on for many, many, many years. Well, I think, the thi I think there is a distinction to be made, though, Bruce, between Joe Nosek sitting in the dugout next to Robin Ventura and looking at the way the signs are stolen or, or the, 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 the sequence of signs and, and being somebody that you rely on your instinct and your guile and your experience, and then having a, a camera relay information and there's a video uh, monitor behind the manager uh, his office in behind the dugout and somebody sitting in there relaying signals. I mean, when you use technology to that degree, that's different than using your own experience. Right. Well, McDowell's telling us it happened in 1987, 88, 89, right? A little more primitive. Yeah, but definitely. Not much more yeah. uh, because it was real-time stealing of signals and flashing on a scoreboard. That's according to Jack McDowell. That's according to people I've talked to as well, that hmm. this is not unique. But it is... The technical, the tech, the technical uh, advancements 
to being allowed to uh, have it in a dugout now, near did, a dugout. Did um, you know about the McDowell accusation? Had you heard over the years that the Sox were in, indeed doing those, these kind of things over the years? I heard multiple teams were doing it. At Comiskey Park? At the no, not Comiskey at Comiskey Park. Park, just in baseball. In baseball. Yeah. How about now? Now, as still, far do you, as... Do you still hear anecdotal evidence about teams beyond the Astros? Not because people, people are relatively careful about that. And, you know, the, the fires thing is, is the one thing that um, elicits things like what Jack McDowell did. Would Jack McDowell have come out if Mike Fires hadn't? No. No, I think that's the point. So how many more are we going to how many more yeah. testimonials will we hear? How many more people will lose their jobs? Yeah. The most insidious thing, David, and the thing that baseball players when I've heard talk to people about cheating have always been upset about is that people can lose their jobs, that the millions of dollars in championships sway because of cheating. And it used to be something that the players handled themselves as far as well the pitchers tipping his pitches. No, he's not tipping his pitches. They're using technology to, to ruin his game. He has the ability to change signs with the catcher. He has the ability to uh, throw high and tight and knock a hitter down. Uh, there, are, there are ways to get around this, but um, I think the outrage of it is because we're talking about championship teams. We're talking about an organization, David, that most people think was totally arrogant and uh, telling people and acting like they were better than everybody else in the game, that just adds to the drama and to the assertions of what's gone down here because of the fact that they were so, so much saying we are better than everybody else. This segment's brought to you by Subway. Subway restaurants feature a different section sub for $3.79 every day. Subway, make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. And this bottom of the hour on the score hat was brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Join Northwestern Basketball at the new Welsh Ryan Arena this season. Home opponents include Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, and Purdue. Single game tickets to see Chicago's Big Ten team on sale now at nusports.com. Bruce, when we come back, I want to talk to you about the effect that this whole scandal had on you, Darvish, the way that he was received in Chicago, the way that he may be given a, a reprieve now, and the way that he handled himself yesterday when he met the media. Bruce Levine in, and I am with David Haw in for Matt Spiegel. This is Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
Welcome back to Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Hall. I'm from Max Spiegel here with Bruce Levine. We are broadcasting live from the Cubs convention here at the Sheridan Grand. The Cubs convention coverage is sponsored by the Wintrust Crosstown Series. Now's your chance to vote on a new trophy design to visit Wintrust.com slash Crosstown. And Bruce, we were talking about the revelations this week for, with the, uh, the sign-stealing scandal and how that's affected people losing their jobs and just the talk around baseball. You Darvish, I think, spoke yesterday. Pretty um, good insight. And, and you, you felt for him as he discussed the impact on his career, the World Series experience against the Astros when he was rocked. Right. And he was accused of tipping pitches. And when he said yesterday, I just want to know if I was tipping pitches. And I don't know that we're ever going to get a clear answer to that. But in retrospect, when you see the way that that affected him psychologically coming to Chicago, how much effect do you think it had on his performance? He's a pretty strong-minded guy. Uh, but he did say, you know, when I talked to him yesterday that uh, I said, um, you know, in looking at this now, does it make you feel better knowing that it wasn't all you that you were being cheated against? And he goes... A little bit, but he said it's still on the record, you know, uh, you know, uh, and and the fact that he he also said that um, he I asked him if he has an instinct for when someone has pitches or when they know something's coming. He says, I think most of the time I do. He said now some of it is, you know, you can get signs from people and that's just the way it is. We have to do a better, better way, uh, find a better way to hide what we're going to throw but from you know he, he said but when when people are on pitches right away in first at bats uh and uh right away on first pitches he says that's an indicator to him that that's things up but when when you look back at how slowly he started in chicago and his confidence seemed to be shaken when he struggled early and i know later on that season that first season with the cubs that we found out there were some physical issues as well but psychologically, you do wonder if he carried the baggage with him from L.A. here. And that was once he struggled initially, he wasn't given the benefit of the doubt. He talked about not wanting to hear the boos, wanting them right. to be used. And that kind of took on a life of its own. You, do, you can't help but wonder if, yeah, the, the record speaks for itself. And, you know, the, they're, they're going to be the Houston asterisks forever. But you wonder if people will think of you Darvish's performance in a World Series differently, knowing what we know now. Well, you probably should. Uh, there's not going to be any changes to it. But the, the reality is, is that whenever a guy comes to a new town with a $125 million contract, there's huge expectations to live up to right away. And, and many people, including John Lester and uh, Hayward, talked about that with Darvish. Uh, when he showed up, that they didn't perform well initially with their big contracts, that there's that extra baggage. And they had to understand that sometimes you're going to start a season or you're not going to be the superstar you were at different points of your career. And it's much more uh, important and unfortunate when you're starting off with a new city and high expectations and a huge, uh, a huge contract to live up to. We do know this, Hugh Darvish is going to be part of a rotation that has to be the strength for the Cubs early on because that's the one thing that we know right now before they, have, they make the moves that we expect them to make that they can count on. You have Darvish, you have Lester, you have Hendricks, you have Quintana, you have probably Tyler Chatwood filling in for Cole Hamels filling in that spot. We heard David Ross the other day, Bruce. Obviously, the new manager is 
you know, the guy that you know you, you recognize and you know, we've known him for in a different way. He's going to be making out the lineup card, and he talked about the other day how much easier that would be if he had a true leadoff hitter. This is a repetitive theme here in Chicago. We have heard Joe Madden talk about it. We have been obsessed with it in the media. How important do you think that will be to the success of this Cubs offense? And who will that be? Is that player on this roster right now? He might be now. He might not be in a month. I think Chris <laughs> Bryant's the best uh, guy to lead off. Really? Yes, absolutely, without a 100%. Why? High on-base percentage, okay? Uh, a, the best base runner on the team, maybe not the the most exciting. We know Baez is the most exciting, but Bryant's the best base runner. He has above-average speed, uh, surprising speed, and great baseball instincts, and is not afraid to take the ball uh, around. So for me, the most ideal guy on the roster right now, and we're only, we can only talk about who's there right now, it's Chris Bryant. Don't you want somebody like that? who can produce as many runs as he can with his power in the middle of your order or somewhere between second or through fifth? He hasn't produced a lot of runs. The last two years, he has not produced a lot of runs. The last three years. So, uh, so from the perspective of you have Contreras, you have Baez, you have Rizzo, you have Hayward, you have Schwarber, these are the guys that will be driving in a runner who actually can get on base at the top of the order. What about Rizzo? He is statistically the best leadoff Rizzo, Rizzo, hitter. Rizzo is, a, is, a, is a better RBI guy. He's a proven RBI guy. Now, people say, well, RBIs are you know just a product of who's getting on base. Yeah. Someone's got to get on base at a 370, 380 clip. Nobody better on that team than, than Rizzo or Bryant. Rizzo doesn't have the speed that Bryant has, so therefore he's their best candidate right now. Now... There's a lot of time between now and opening day. There'll be moves made. The Cubs had conversations with the Japanese center fielder who signed with Cincinnati. They ideally, at that time, were very interested in him. Uh, he would have been an answer, a 380 on base percentage guy for his career in Japan. How big of a uh, loss, though, is it, Bruce, really? I mean, was that going to be something that made you feel a lot better about you, the you, Cubs' leadoff? David, or center you, field you can't position? have superstars at every position. Right. Why not? So, Why not, Bruce? Uh, you can. Well, Tom Ricketts that. Why not? You, you can, but some of them have to be developed in your organization. And the, the Cubs have not been doing that lately. They, they did a nice job of it at the, the beginning here. Uh, we're seeing that coming to an end here in the next couple of years, possibly, by some of these players leaving. There's been a uh, you know dark hole, which is the uh, minor league system developing no pitchers and developing few position players. Now, some of that's a product of your success. When you're hugely successful, like the Cubs were for five years and went to the playoffs, the NLCS, three years in a row, won a World Series, you're going to be drafting lower. So therefore, your number one picks are not always going to be what you want as far as high quality. You still have to be able to draft well. You have to scout well. They, have, they haven't done that over the past, uh, you know, five or six years. They, they, they have some good players coming up in the system, but they are suffering because the minor league system is not supplying them what they need right now. He's Bruce Levine. I'm David Holland for Matt Spiegel. Inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score, 312-644-6767. Let's go out to the phone lines, hear what you have to say about the Cubs or the sign-stealing scandal or whatever you want to talk about. Don is in Burr Ridge. Don, welcome to the score. 
Morning, Don. Okay. Do we have Don? I, I got a, there we go. There. Morning, Don. We're here. Yeah. Go ahead, First, Don. Uh, uh, Bruce, I got to say, I love the idea of uh, Bryant as a leadoff hitter. I, I, I agree 100%. I, I, I never really thought about it, but after you said it, it makes total sense. I like it. So the second thing is, it really infuriates me uh, on the there's no repercussions on any of the players for the sign stealing, and it's all been managers and GMs and this and that. My understanding is the right. players got immunity on, on this. They should have at least been fined on it. it this, this is a, uh, a pretty big thing. Um, and if I was like the, the, the Dodgers or even you, Darvish, both of them lost money because of this. Plotted the, the swift action that the Astros and the Red Sox took and then later the Mets. Right. You have to punish people. There have to be consequences. How do you know who to punish? Bruce, there were 68 players that, that talked to Major League Baseball that were at least implicated. And on that Astros team, you had enough information to know who to punish. And the fact that they were not punished, to me, I think it be, it's very inconsistent. Because if you have somebody who puts something in their body that, that is not allowed to be put in their body... You don't fire the manager because they let that happen. You, f you punish the player. There's and the a, players skate on this. There's no precedent for Major League Baseball being able to punish players for allegedly using, uh, using technology to help themselves. Set one. Set one, no, then. I, I'm, because I'm saying, uh, if, you I'm are the, if you are the commissioner and you have it, evidence that is as damning as we have been led to believe this is, and you have players... What is the? I, I, I agree with you. You know who you you know who the I, players are. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you that the technology used, the people who cheated don't get punished. Okay. Right. So yeah, you punish the people that uh, facilitate it, but you know, in in essence, you know, you have to be able to define, you know, was it Altuve? You know, was it Correa? You know, was it Bregman? You know. How, how often, how often do they use it? How severe should it be, you know, knowing, oh, he used it sometimes, sometimes he didn't. David, it's a, it's a can of worms. It is a can of worms. I just wish they might have opened it a little bit I, wider. I agree. I mean, look at Carlos Beltran was outed in this. He was going to be the manager of the New York Mets, never managed a day. Now he's out. I know. Here's the irony. Because I of talked the about it yesterday issue. on Mullen Haw. If Carlos Beltran had signed with the Mets as a reserve outfielder and pinch hitter, he'd still be with the Mets. But the fact that he's a manager, he had to go. Right. <laughs> but, it, you know, again, it's, it's an integrity issue. Hiring to begin with, you know, hiring him to begin with, I thought, was shaky, first of all. You know, um, I didn't think he had the credentials. But regardless of that, the guy um, is named here as the, you know, him and Cora are the guys that people say, well, you know, they're the ones that really put this into action. So it's 2021, and A.J. Hinch comes off his suspension, and he is going to be a free agent manager. He is a manager with the World Series ring, whether it's tainted or not, whether it is legitimate or not. He is, a, he is regarded as a good guy and a great manager. If you have an opening and you're, an, you're a Major League Baseball general manager, would you hire or would you interview A.J. Hinch? As a technical advisor. <laughs> I mean, look, David, he's a real good baseball man. Everybody makes mistakes. 
I don't like the statements that these guys made afterwards, okay? To me, they were scurrying. You know what, you know what type of uh, thing scurries, you know? It, it, they were, I mean, the, the way that the uh, president and general manager of the team scurried away from him doing anything wrong was sickening. It was, it was gross. I hope he never is involved in a baseball team again. I doubt it. But Hitch has a great reputation. He has a great history. He is well thought of out there. Um, admitting mistakes, I think, is, you know, it's the American way of getting back into doing what you do. If, you're, if you come clean, I think you can go back and do that job again. You know, Pete Rose is still sitting there 34 years later, and uh, no one still knows what the truth is because he's, he's lied all the way through. Let's squeeze in another phone call, 312-644-6767. Massey is in Bradley. Good morning, Massey. You're on the score. Good morning, guys. Hello, Massey. Hey, you know, what, what seems to be not brought up in this mess is, is illegal sports betting. At what point can it be considered uh, game-fixing? Uh, there's a difference mm-hmm. between, like you say, like you say, sitting in the dugout and eyeballing signs and trying to catch it that way. Look, there's cheating, and then there's cheating when you you know it when you see it. And this is a you know it when you see it kind of situation. They know they ain't supposed to use technology. All these guys know this. They know that's crossing the line. So that doesn't make any sense, but it still seems to me that sports betting is going to be kind of questionable about all this mess, too. I agree with you. David, uh, you know, when you look forward and you see, you know, your best player going uh, 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 in in a big game, you know, are you going to worry about that he's on the take? Well, I think that as, as the legalization of sports gambling becomes more prevalent and common in, in states around, you know, the country, I, yeah, that, that probably is going to be a concern. But I, I don't know, Bruce, look, it, maybe if it's a struggling young hitter who's trying to make his way, it'll raise some doubts. I don't know that I look, would look at Jose Altuve differently you know, in terms of if he's 0 for 5 or 0 for 4, thinking, oh, boy, he's on the take, I would look at it as, you know what, he's not getting the censor uh, notification I mean, is anymore. It, is it, it going to be okay? Is it going to be okay to you, David Haw, that uh, Altuve or another player allegedly bets on themselves and bets money on a game or his performance before he goes into that game? No. You walk into every clubhouse, you've seen the sign. You don't gamble. Okay. Players don't gamble. Right. You can't do that. It's against the rules. Okay. There are rules you can't break. That's one of them. Someone can bet for you. <laughs> well, maybe so. Yeah. We, we, uh, <laughs> there, there are plenty of implications there. Speaking of gambling, you uh, can listen to You Better You Bet this Sunday on the score, 9 to 11. Nice segue. Championship preview show. Uh, who's going to play the Super Bowl? Will the Packers go to Miami? Will the Chiefs win at home again? Listen live Sunday when Nick Costos, Joe Ostrowski, Danny Parkins break down the AFC and NFC Championship games 9 to 11 tomorrow from the Score Studios. You Better You Bet is a production of the Action Network and Radio.com Sports. We're, we're going to take a little break here, and hopefully in um, our next segment we expect to talk to Tom Ricketts, the owner and CEO of the Chicago Cubs. This is Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine. I'm David Hahn from Matt Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.